Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? I'm excited to be here, and uh, I told Pastor Eddie yesterday when we were together, I said, listen, man, you do all of this stuff theologically correct, and I love the way you break things down exegetically and hermeneutically, so I'm just coming today hood. Everybody say hood, okay? I'm just going to give it to you as I can. Uh, just so you know, we, this in many ways, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona, but this in many ways is home for us. Uh, as we walked into this building, my wife was a school teacher here for seven years, and so she knew the layout better than anybody, and so she knew exactly where to go. We lived in Leesburg, Virginia, and have had the opportunity to really grow here. And so as I look around, I see so many beautiful faces, some that are old and that I know and some that I don't. And it's just so great, great to be here with you. Pastor Eddie, um, I'm going to tell us now what everything you got. Let's give this man and his family a hand clap. Let's go ahead. It takes a special, it takes a special, special person, a special, special leader to lead during these times. And, uh, and I've had the joy, as he's talked about, being able to be with him and his family and to watch them. I've known he and Mary for years, and uh, Pastor Jermaine, and he told me to say it right, Blythe. I was going to say Blythe, right? He said, no, Blythe. <laughs> and so he said, they're from down south and all of that good stuff. But I remember them. I remember them during our times of being here, and I remember her as well many years ago. And so it's a joy to be here. And uh, I just want to let you know, I'm not coming as a visitor. I'm coming as family. And so it's great to be here. So you ready for God's word? All right, let's go ahead. We're going to open up in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Uh, God, we come to honor you and we come to give you praise and we come to give you glory. I pray that you would illumine our hearts as we receive your word. God, I pray that you would penetrate our spirits, God. And I pray that you would strengthen us so that we would not only receive your word and be transformed by your words, but be exporters of your word. Bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Now, I brag on you a lot in Arizona. I'm going to tell you this now. I probably put you up higher than what you really are. I'm like, my folks back in Virginia, they are just amazing, and they are awesome, and I believe that, you know. And so absent makes the heart grow fonder, and it's a joy for me to be here with you. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you. I want to give you something that I believe that truly is an encouragement, and I want to encourage you all. Uh, I believe this. If you woke up this morning and you decided to come to church while you could have stayed home, and there's nothing wrong with staying at home, but if you woke up, you got dressed, you got the kids ready, you didn't let the pandemic stop you, you put on the mask, you did whatever you had to, you came to experience something. Amen? You came here to receive something. You came here to get something. And I want to encourage you today because I believe that as we read God's word, he has something to offer us. And I'm not a pastor who just simply wants to give you correct uh, theology, which I do. But I want to give you something that can impact your heart, that can transform you, just as one of your E's says, so that we can encounter the God that we read about, so that we can encounter the God that we pray to, so that we can experience him in a very tangible way, that he's not just this God who is somewhere far off, but he is a God who lives in our lives and dwells in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But if you receive this wrong, you'll find this is just a good word. If you receive this wrong, you will not see implicitly where God is sovereignly at work in your life, how he orchestrates things to position you and to put you where you need to be so that you can experience him and encounter him. Because God will be at work even when you don't see him in the forefront. It means that God is working in the background. Amen? So I want to encourage you with this. I want to encourage you with this message. It's called the favor of God. Everybody say favor. 
It's the favor of God. Let me give you these definitions before we start reading. In Hebrew, and we're going to be looking in the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, verses 10 through 23. Ruth chapter 2, verses 10 through 23. What I'm going to do is I'm only going to read verse 10, and then we're going to just follow the scriptures and receive explanation. But before we do that, the definition in Hebrew of favor is hen, which means favor, acts which displays one's fondness and compassion for another. Favor means grace and kindness and kind-heartedness and compassion. These are acts of kindness displaying one's pleasure with an object which benefits that specific object. But as I told you, as I begin to read this, and I have to give you my definition of, of favor based upon what we're going to read. Favor is God's special and unusual kindness that is demonstrated by and through man. Favor is God's special and unusual kindness demonstrated by and through man. And I want to pray that that's what you receive. I want to pray that in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of turmoil, and how many of us have gotten to this place, I'm going to be real with you. I got lazy during the pandemic. If you can't tell, I added a few things. You don't know me before, but I used to be slimmer. I promise you I did. I had six packs, but I added some things during this pandemic because for whatever reason, I allowed this time of being distant to cause me to become complacent. And sometimes that's what happens. And so we are asking now that God would begin to display his favor and his kindness upon us so that we can experience him. And I want us to be able to experience this not in a way that you've experienced it before, but in an unusual way. A very unusual way. So let's join together in the text. We're going to read Ruth chapter 2 verse 10 and then we are going to walk together and see what God has to say. Ruth chapter 2, verse 10. So she fell on her face, she bowed to the ground, and she said to him, speaking to a man named Boaz, this is Ruth, and I'll explain more in a minute. She said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? God bless us as we study your word. To give some context, when you look at the book of Ruth, I call this the book of commitment. And in this season of the pandemic, what I believe, one of the greatest adversaries to uh, uh, commitment is complacency. And so I believe that God is really trying to call his people back to a place of commitment, new levels of commitment, new degrees of commitment, new areas of focus that requires our commitment. And he calls us to this place of commitment. And you'll notice in this text from all the way from the beginning, it was a difficult time in transition. There was a drought in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. This is where Naomi and her husband Elimelech lived. They had two sons. One was Chilion. The other one was Malon. And so what they did, they were in the house of bread. That's what Bethlehem Judah means they were in their home, but a drought came or a pandemic and a drought came. And so what happened is, and when we need to show our commitment, sometimes we have to show commitment when there's a drought or a season of transition. So when the drought came, they left the house of bread and they went to a place called Moab. Moab happened to be a nation that would struggle and argue and fight against Israel. So they left their home, they left the place they were comfortable with, and they went to a place that was not their own, to a foreign land where even their people argued and fought with those folks. There was a transition. The husband only wanted to go for but a moment. He said that I would be there for only a while, but instead, once he got there, it says that he dwelt there. He stayed there, and when he stayed there, he died there. 
So as he died, once he died, then his, his sons decided to marry out of all women Moabite women. Now, mamas, this is not the woman that you wanted your girl or your son to marry. You had other plans for him, and you knew that he would go and marry that one little sweet girl that you just knew. You saw her, and you, but no, they decided to go marry two Moabitess women. And then, wouldn't you know it, the two sons died. So they left their place of God's provision, the place, the house of bread, in a season of drought, in a pandemic, when things were uncertain. They go to Moab. Instead of them just being there, they died there. Mom is now a widow, and she has two Moabitess daughters that, to be honest with you, as she is now deciding to return home, because in this season of commitment, what we have to do is even though we've been distant, there's a moment when we must make a decision, even if it's drought over there, and even if it's weary over there, that's the place in which God has called me, and so even in my moments of bitterness, I'm going back home. I'm going back home. I'm, I'm going back home. I'm going back to church. Mask me up, put whatever you need to, give me all of the hand sanitizer you need, but I am not going to allow a pandemic to stop me from being with my people. I'm not telling you to come over here and be a spreader, but I am telling you this, to come and do whatever you need to do to be with God's people. Okay? And that's why I applaud you. So she goes home, and now before she goes home, she tells her daughter-in-laws, listen, you do not have to go with me. I am a widow. I cannot give you anything. In our culture, if a widow, a widow is poor, you cannot go with me. Now, one daughter, her name is Orpah, once she realized everything that it would require for her to go with her mother-in-law, she decided to, to kiss and say goodbye. I don't know if you all know that. I'm a little bit old. I'm a little gray in the chin, but there was a song that says, let's just kiss and say goodbye. She gave her a kiss, gave her the peace sign. She went back to Moab. But then there was another one. Her name was Ruth. And Ruth said this, I'm clinging with you. I'm not leaving you. No, 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 no way. No, 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 no way. I'm living without you. I'm not living without you. Because I don't want to be, I'm staying, I'm staying, and you, and you, you're going to love me. She held on. And see, in time, it's funny, in times of difficulty, a lot of times when you want to truly show commitment is when the time in which you're given the opportunity to leave. And she held on. And so now they find themselves back in Bethlehem, Judah. They are poor. They don't have any money. They don't have anything left to them. And the daughter-in-law told her, she said, listen, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you live, I'll live. Your God will be my God. Far be it unto me if I do not do these things. I am going with you. I'm staying. I'm not leaving. I'm committed. I'm committed to this thing. And sometimes in church, one of the things that is foreign is commitment. Everybody say commitment. Because sometimes that's a curse word. Commitment. So she says, I'm staying. Then she begins to go and she begins to glean in the fields. As she gleans in the field, to glean in the field is a place where the poor are allowed to, there's provision for the poor. Rich people during the time of harvest had to leave a corner in the field so that the poor, the widows, and the foreigners could go and they could pick up scraps. They could pick up scraps. This is very important. They could pick up scraps. And when you glean, you have to be willing. When you glean, you have to be wanting. When you glean, you have to be humble. When you glean, you have to work for it. And she said, I'll go glean for you, mother-in-law. And as she gleaned, and as she gleaned, it says that this man, a rich man named Boaz, he noticed her. 
And he asked, who is she? Who is this young woman? They said, that's the Moabitess woman who came with Ruth. And he tells her this. I want you to drink from the water in which my servants drink from. I want you to position yourself to receive blessings. Here's what he said. You don't have to glean in anyone else's field. Continue to glean in mine. Why is that important? Because the place where you glean will most likely be the place where you'll find God's favor. Hear me? Gleaning means you get whatever you can get. Gleaning means that others might get more, but you are going to stay and you are going to suck whatever you possibly can so that you can glean. Glean off of your pastor. Glean off your pastors. Glean off of your relationship with one another. You might not feel like you're getting everything that you need, but everybody, you can get something if you are willing to glean. So we come to this, and she asked this question because after she gleaned, she noticed that she began to receive unusual favor. So she asked this question, as she fell on her face and she bowed down to the ground, she said this to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. God's favor is very unique. I cannot tell you that this is theological, this is some type of theological prescription that I'm giving you. I cannot say that each and every one of you will receive this. I can only tell you this from an experiential way. We can experience God's favor. I cannot promise you that each and every one of us will, but I can pray this over you. And so I want to tell you what I'm going to pray for you for at the end. I'm going to tell you what I'm praying now. Okay? Number one, the thing about God's favor is God's favor will give a full report about you. God's favor will give a full report about you. Remember, she asked, how did I find favor in your eyes? And then Boaz says this. He said, has it been fully reported to me all the things that you have done for your mother-in-law, Naomi, while you were back in Moab? I understand everything that you had to do. You left your family. You left your land so that you could come here to me. There was a full report. See, and I want to help you understand something. I'm not talking about God's grace. God's grace is unmerited. But favor looks to see if there's a report about you. Favor. A lot of us don't even understand favor because favor knows you before you know favor. See, it's the way that we serve. It's the way that we give of ourselves. It's the way that we commit. It's those things. And he says this. See, because Boaz is truly just the picture of God's favor. Remember, it is God's unusual kindness that is displayed to us through man. So I, this is not about a Boaz. This is about our Boaz. God. And so God used Boaz to help him see that this young lady, no matter where she's from, no matter where she's come from, it's fully reported. She's a faithful lady. She's committed. She's willing to give. She's willing to sacrifice. She left so she could come here. And you're talking about faith. She didn't know what she was stepping into. See, favor has a full report on us. Favor does. And when favor has a full report on you, Favor has a way of praying for you. Then he goes on and he says this. I pray that God would reward you fully for the work that you've displayed. Because you have demonstrated trust in him. Because under his wings is where you've chosen to find safety. See, favor does something that is amazing. Favor knows about you. Favor speaks about you. Favor reads about you. And if you don't get this, favor gossips about you. This is the only time that you can gossip in church when you gossip about favorable things. 
I don't know what it is about sister so-and-so, but the way that she wakes up on Sunday mornings and the way that she serves, it is unbelievable. I cannot tell you about this family, but the way that they come and the way that they love on people and the way that they people at the girl, greet people at the door, it is unusual. And you don't even understand while they are talking, favor is reading your report. See, favor has a full report on you. The other thing favor does, I'll just say it like this. Favor feeds you. Everybody say, feed me. Now, you see, I ain't got no problem with that. Okay, feed me. She's poor. She's a widow. She's a foreigner. After he said, I've, I heard the full report about you in verse 13 to 14. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight. And really what she was saying is, thank you for the favor that I've received in your sight. Why? It's because you have comforted me and you have spoken kindly to, uh, to your maidservant, though I am not one of your maidservants. I'm different. Now, Boaz said to, the, to her at mealtime. See, he spoke to her at mealtime. That's why I said, feed me. Because some of us spiritually were hungry. Some of us spiritually were thirsty. We're still yearning for something. Some of us spiritually, we still need something. It's not just the physical needs, but we need God to favor. We need the favor of God to fill us spiritually. Some of us, we've been riding on E spiritually for too long, and now it's mealtime. And at mealtime, he says this to her, come here and eat of the bread and dip of this piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed the parched grain to her and she ate and she was satisfied and she kept some back. If I can break this down, to feed her meant to satisfy her. When he called her, it meant to invite her. When he positioned her where she sat, it meant to give her a place. He accepted her. When he fed her, he just didn't feed her. He fed her the best. And when she was filled up, she was satisfied. And the beautiful thing about God and the favor of God, when he began to feed you he just doesn't give you what you need he gives you more than enough he gives you more than enough and my prayer is that we would live out our lives experiencing the favor of God where we just don't live our lives receiving enough but we understand and we experience and we encounter the God of more than enough everybody say feed me he wants to feed us he wants to feed us you might be poor you might be a widow, you might be a foreigner, you might feel like you're an outcast, but he wants to feed you, and he has more than enough for you. The beautiful thing as well as it says, and she kept some back, we'll talk about that later, because when he fills you, remember, she came to glean to get just scraps, but she sat at the king's table and left with leftovers. See, when we start walking in the favor of God, you're not just supposed to leave filled up, you're supposed to leave with leftovers. God has leftovers for you. He has more than enough for you. He has things waiting for you. And even when you say, God, it's, that's more than enough, he has more for you. Quick story. Uh, we were told we could never have children. If you've been here and you, you know me, we were told we could never have children. Um, and so we prayed and God spoke into our life. Pastor Eddie, how much? Tell, what, what time do I stop? Just, I know, I know, but I want to be respectful. Okay. And so we were told we could never have children, and I remember this prayer. I, I read the book of 1 Samuel. Hannah prayed and asked the Lord for a child. And I remember the Lord said, if you pray and you ask me for a child, I'll bless you with one. And me with my crazy self, I prayed that prayer. My wife thought I was crazy. But God blessed us. He blessed us, as you heard. We have five kids. Remember? Yeah. Uh-huh. 
The beautiful thing about favor is after three, I went to the doctor and said, hey, we got to stop this. I got more than enough. You know, the doctor told me I'm not going to do it because you haven't spoken to your wife. I can tell because you're all by yourself. I'm not going to do it. So then I come home and one of my buddies asked, he said, did you pray about this? I said, I don't need to pray about this. There's three of them. I don't need any more. God don't have to tell me that. There's too many of them in my house right now. And wouldn't it be just like God? He blessed us with two more, right? There are more than enough. There are more than enough. I'll tell you about them in a minute. I saved my family to the very end. But we and you can experience and receive from God not just enough, but he will give you more than enough. Your prayer should be, God, your grace and your favor is on my life so much to where I don't need it anymore. See, we have to stop just praying the prayers. God, give it for me. You are asking for too little. You need to ask God to, God, give me not just enough, but give me more than enough. And I'll tell you in point four, while we ask God for more than enough, because it's not about you anymore. You're more than enough. It's not about you. The other thing is, in point number three, is God's favor. I should have said isn't because I'm in Northern Virginia where I know there's articulates. But I'm from South Phoenix. I'm from the hood. So favor ain't fair. Everybody say ain't. Okay, I know that might hurt some of you all, but favor ain't fair. Okay. So in verse 15 and 16, it then says this. It says, and when she rose up to glean, when she rose up to go back and continue gleaning, after she had eaten, after she was satisfied, after she had her more than enough, listen to what she did. She went back to work. See, we don't stop after we receive our blessing. We keep working. See, we keep working. So when she rose up and she went back to glean, Boaz commended his young men, saying to them, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also let her, let the grain from the bundles fall purposefully for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Leave it so she can glean it. Leave it so she can glean it. She was coming to get scraps. She was coming to get the best I can call them as sunflower seeds. Grain, sheaves are bushels. She came that day to receive sunflower seeds. She would have left happy with a handful of sunflower seeds. And now Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, now Boaz, the picture of favor, now Boaz, the picture of God's intrinsic work being established in your life, now Boaz tells his servants, I want you to leave the sheaves for her. I want the bushels to fall purposely for her. The hierarchy and how this thing went was there's the owner of the field. They're the servants who are in charge of the reapers. They're the reapers. They're the maidservants. And then they're the poor. They're the foreign. They're the widows. Here's how I know favor ain't fair. Because she went from here. And God promoted her all the way up here. He said, I want her to not leave here with a little bit. Because of God's favor, I want her to leave with bushels. I want her to leave with bushels. And that's why I say this, favor ain't fair. She didn't do anything to deserve it. There was nothing special about her. As a matter of fact, she was the lowest in the culture. 
she was not just poor. She was a widow and a foreigner. And I guarantee you, some of those folks was looking in like, who is she? Why is she receiving all of this? And a lot of us don't like favor until we are recipients of it. Who is she? Who do this? And she ain't even from here. <laughs> they should send her back to Moab. Favor ain't fair. And I want you to know that you can experience that. I'm a young man. I met my father four times in my life. I was raised by a single mother. Um, when I was young, we didn't have much. I didn't do sports because I just couldn't afford to pay for it. We didn't have a lot of money. And I went out for football my senior year in high school. Didn't know what I was doing. I absolutely stunk. I was horrible at it. Very bad. My circumstances would say life is not fair. I went to junior college, same guy, didn't have any money, didn't, the circumstances were whatever they were. And for whatever reason, I still don't understand this, I began to play much better to the point to where someone offered me, and I wish I could say a scholarship or an academic ex education, but the reason why I accepted this scholarship is because they gave me a free meal card and they gave me free clothes. Free meal, you mean you gonna let me eat on this card for free? Feed me. <laughs> I go to the school, still learning how to play football, and I end up getting drafted by the Washington, I'm sorry if I'm politically incorrect, when I played from they were the Redskins. What are they now? Formerly known as the Redskins? Or whatever, Washington football team. I go back home, and all of my buddies who remember me when I was young would look and say, how in the world is Daryl playing in the NFL? I was better than him when I was younger. How did he make it? And they said, that's not fair. You know what I said? It's favor. It's favor. It don't have to be fair when it's with God. All it has to be is his favor. See, and there are things where people will look and say, I don't understand it. I know your pedigree. I know your resume. I know where you come from. And I cannot believe that God has positioned you right here. And you just have to tell them, it ain't fair. I know it. But I do know what it is. It is favor. And I want you to experience this type of favor. And I want you to know this type of favor. I want you to know that God's favor can work in your life just like that. Why? It's because favor not, may not be uh, always fair. But favor may be coming to find you. Favor will chase you. Favor will pursue you. Because surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I'm not promising you this. I'm telling you how God will display himself if he shall so chooses. Last thing, this favor is going to tell on you. Favor will tell on you. So she gleaned in the field until it was evening. She beat out the grain from the bushels. She beat out what she had gleaned. And now she had received an ephah of barley. Then she took, up what she, she took it up and she went into the city and her mother-in-law saw her. 
and she saw that she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. Favor will tell on you. When we started this story, she wanted to go get sunflower seeds. A hand, maybe two hands, would be good. And as she goes, and she's a committed woman, she's faithful, she's gleaning in the field that God had called her to glean in, and she's now receiving the attention of Boaz. Boaz begins to treat her very unusual and very kindly. And then when she comes back, she comes back not with a handful, not with two hands full, but an ephah is four gallons of grain. Here's the beautiful thing about favor. And I say this all the time. See, a lot of us want to, we want to act like we got favor and we want to talk like we have favor and we want to look like we got favors. To me, the best thing I could use the example of is tattoos. And you may not understand this, but, and all of you tattooers, God bless you, I love you. But my son has tattoos and I don't understand this. Dad, you see this tattoo right here? Romans 6, 6, this is what, this is what God did in my life. Dad, you see this tattoo right here? This is the day in which God showed up. And the beautiful thing is, is when we're seeking favor, we have to tell our own story. But when favor finds you, favor tells on you. See, there's a difference. When favor finds you, favor tells on you. It says that she had the ephahs, she came back to the city, and her mother-in-law saw what that she had gleaned. I know mama was like, baby, where were you at? Whose field did you glean in? Because I see the favor of God. I don't want tattoos so that I have to tell stories. I want Jesus' favor so that he can tell my story. I want his favor so he can tell. I want Jesus to be able to speak about his favor in my life. I want his favor. I don't need a better car. I don't need a bigger house. All I need is the favor of God to follow me and to walk with me all the days of my life. Why? It's because even when you don't know it, favor is telling on you. As I conclude, here's what it comes down to for me. I'm not gifted. I'm not the most anointed. I can't say that I'm the best in anything that I do. But I'm a man whose life has been marked by favor. If you have this photo, can you please show this photo of my family? I think so. We took family photos, and um, they said on this one, listen, I want you all just to take a picture and just take a picture of how you feel. And if you notice me, every all of my other family are just sitting there and they're looking nice, and you see me, and I'm just like, what? What? <laughs> I got my leg bent back. I got my head thrown up because in that moment, I promise you, I knew that I was a man who had experienced God's favor. And I knew because of my family. The boy on the, on the far left is my oldest son. I think it's left. To your, it'll be your right. Wait, your left. That's my oldest son, Samuel. Samuel, I've seen the favor of God work in his life. I remember when he was young, he wanted to get into this school, a very prestigious school, and they came to him and they said, you do not fit the requirements, you do not fit the expectations. And favor sometimes does not accept man's no. So the Lord told me, go back and talk to them. I went and I spoke to him and he said, I'm going to open up his files. I normally don't do this. This seems very unusual. He opens up his files and favor allowed him to be accepted into this school. The other, let's, let's go back to the girl in the black. That's my oldest daughter, Faith. I've watched her as she's grown up. She struggled with some sickness and things of that nature. She's a gymnast. And if you notice anything about my family, we love sports. And um, 
she's a gymnast and she struggled with some health issues and uh, we watched as God supernaturally began to open up doors so that she received a scholarship to do gymnastics at the University of Washington. The one standing next to her with the orange pants is my daughter, Gracie, and to be honest with you, I cannot believe favor of God on her life because she is the most unathletic child in our family. It was very clear that she would be the one who would not go to school on a scholarship. She would go because of her academics. She was not, any athletic prowess was gone. And something happened when we moved to Arizona. She picked up a sport called volleyball, and then she received a full ride scholarship to go to Appalachian State, and she's just graduated. The little girl with the white pants on is our 19-year-old daughter. Her name is Naomi. Naomi is a great gymnast. She's watched her oldest sisters, and she's a great gymnast. She had committed to go to a school in Oregon, and I heard in my spirit the Lord said, she's bigger than that. She'd already committed. And I said, well, God, I don't know if it's going to happen. So then the number four team in gymnastics in the country noticed her. Then the then number, number five in the country in gymnastics, number four in academics, University of Michigan. And then they offered her a scholarship. And can I be real with you? A lot of us want favor, but can I be real with you? Sometimes favor is scary because it's bigger than you. When you really want favor, it's bigger than you. It should intimidate you. And, and we begin to pray. And I said, Naomi, I think you should go there. She's a freshman. She ended up her season being an All-American at uh, the University of Michigan, and they won the national championship. Favor ain't fair. The youngest boys are 16-year-old boys and 17-year-old. Uh, He's our 17-year-old boy. And um, he is just, for us, he has exceeded all of my expectations. The type of schools that are recruiting him, the things that are happening to him is scary. I told him, son, I played in the NFL, but I've never been in environments like this. You, because of the gifts that God has placed in your life, has allowed me to walk in places that I've never been. I've been able to talk to coaches that, I, some of these coaches, y'all, I'm like, are you serious? I'm sneaking, taking pictures at the office, like, I cannot believe we up in here. <laughs> this can't be true. And that's the way favor should make you feel sometimes. But the most beautiful thing of all of this is that while I love my children, the most beautiful thing is that God blessed me with this amazing woman, and we've been married for 28 years, and she has been the love of my life, and I am so grateful for the favor of God. Why? It's because favor tells on you. They'll see it. They'll notice it. You don't have to say it. God will do it. And there's a, there's a favor that I believe that God wants to bestow upon his people just like he bestowed upon Ruth. Poor, widow, foreigner. And if you continue to read, you would see that God just didn't bless her with material things. He redeemed their family line. Boaz would marry her. Her mother-in-law came back home empty. And because of her faithfulness and the favor of God, her mother-in-law was full. He would redeem the land that they thought they lost. And she would be in the line, a Moabitess woman, foreigner. And she would be in the line of Jesus Christ. I believe that that's the type of favor that God still has for his people. And if you will allow me, I want to pray that over you. Can I do that? Let's pray. Father, we honor you and we thank you.
God, we give you glory for these moments. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters who are here, and I speak favor over your lives. I pray that you will be people who value, who desire, and who are willing to glean. Glean in the field that God has called you to glean in. Get whatever you can as you serve. And I believe that God has a report, a good report about you. Some of you all, you don't even feel like I can even think this way. But you keep gleaning. And God's report about your life will come back favorable. He wants to fill you up. You know that song, until you overflow. He wants to satisfy you. He wants to invite you to places that you never thought that you could pull up to. There's a table of fellowship that can only come when you're invited there. And God wants to invite you to a place because he's accepted you. He just doesn't want to feed you. He wants to give you the best. He wants to feed you. God, fill my brothers and sisters. Fill them up. Fill them up until they literally overflow. Fill marriages right now where you feel like you're depleted. Fill up faith for your children where some you might feel like you're discouraged. Fill up the ability to see for those who have a future and the hope and they've not yet been able to realize it. Fill them up, Jesus. Fill them up. Fill them. And let their lives be marked by what, not by what is fair, but what is favor. Let others be confounded and confused by your grace. Love you.